This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcast. Now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to our podcast. I think this is a kind of gross one, if you think about it. Well, you think a lot of things are gross. This is just nature, Pete. This is just nature. It's just nature. Uh, all right. What are we talking about, Tom? Well, today we're going to, well, let's start off. We're going to talk about basically what is a man-eater, right? So we're going to look at the type of animals that prey on humans or go after humans for right. a variety of reasons, yeah. not just scavengers. We're not looking at ones that are scavenging or single attacks, but actually because they're hungry. But this is more of actually like start preying upon humans, um, adapt to human behavior. They don't kill in self-defense. They actually develop a taste for human uh, flesh. And this is usually lions, tigers, leopards, polar bears, some crocodiles. There's been cases of kimono dragons, hyenas will do this also. Um, so it, it actually is a lot rarer than you think, but it still happens a lot more than you think, if that makes sense. And I think so. at the core of this entire podcast, uh, we're going to try to concentrate on the one main one that everyone kind of has heard about. Well, it's because if they made a movie, there's been books about it. It's actually yeah. not the largest one, but I guess it's one of the most interesting stories with it. We're going to talk about the Zavo Man Eaters as like the, the basis. Eaters, yes. Yep. As like the basis. And then we'll get into all like the different other kinds where or cases where this has happened. But this got me thinking like when I was doing research for this, just like you said, there are so many different other man eaters. But the Zavo Man Eaters happen to be the most popular ones, I would say, in pop culture. And it got me thinking that is it perhaps because it came from like the British perspective? Well, that's exactly I mean, why. I guess why it became right? so popular and like particularly like I guess the West and stuff like that. Well, because the person who winds up um, shooting them, right, um, Colonel John Henry Patterson, he wrote a book about it. He wrote exactly. a, his account of the hunting and the experience called The Man Eaters of Savo. And that becomes A Ghost in the Darkness, right? That that movie that I think uh, Val Kilmer played in the yep. what, mid-90s, 96. I guess. Yep. The mid-90s, yeah, 96. There's a lot of stories about it. And these lions, you know, they kill 135 people yep. while they're while the uh, construction workers, right? Yep. And the Prime Minister of England is talking about it. Lord Salisbury addresses this in the House of Lords. So I think that because it's westernized, this particular event is westernized as opposed to the other ones that we're going to discuss as well briefly. Um, I think this kind of catches the attention. It's like the British view. And at the time of this, this is 1890s, England is still you know, the empire uh, in the world. So I think that's what kind of gives this the most attention. Well, yeah, you have that. And it's also the fact that it's like man versus nature, you know? Yep. And the yeah. fact that it's lions, I'm sure, because you know, everyone thinks like the king of the jungle, right? The lion. All right, so let's get going into the uh, Zavo Maneaters. Uh, we'll kind of discuss what happened there and make that a big case study. And then from there, we'll kind of branch off into some other uh, lesser known, uh, but also kind of wicked, you know, man-eating episodes, I guess. There's a construction of a railway that's yeah. taking place in Uganda. The railway is going to link Uganda with the Indian Ocean. And this is happening about 1898. The British Crown starts building this railway bridge over the Zavo River in Kenya. And the building site consists of several different camps. They're spread out throughout the whole area. There's about a few thousand, they said, workers. And most of the workers come from India. So they're they're brought in by the British. Yeah, to work on the project. Work on the project. And there's still some locals, some Africans that work on the project as well, but most of them are Indian. Led by the guy you mentioned, his name is John Henry Patterson. So he arrives to lead this project to build this bridge, railway bridge, yeah, over to Zavarin. He's put in charge. And the killings start like right after he gets there, right? He's only yep. there a few days before it starts. And it's these two... Large male, they're male lions, but they're maneless. So which which is what makes it that, weird, right? Yeah, yeah. So they don't have that traditional, but they're the size of the male lions, which are huge. But they don't have their manes, so they don't look like traditional lions. And there's 
those we'll talk about that a little bit more later on, like why their main list and why that what that has to do. And they start stalking the campsite. And what they think even before they start pulling the workers out of their tents at night, which is what happens. They pull them out of their tents at night and devour them. How freaky um, is that, right? You're just going to sleep, you're right? Tent. Yeah, but they had to develop this taste, you know, for human flesh before this. So I've read a lot of other stuff about man eaters before all this because it's just I used to do something like that in my class. We used to do Animal Attack Fridays, but um, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> we used to do Animal Attack Fridays back in the day. Back in the day, okay, back, cool, in, cool. back in the day. But um, one of them was also like human flesh. I guess like we don't we don't particularly taste good a lot of times, and there's a lot of like theories because of all this other stuff we eat and everything. But the thing what happened with these lions is that a lot of, because they were building this bridge over a river, obviously, right? Why else would yeah. be doing this? So there were workers who just died anyway. Like they 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 died from exhaustion, they died from disease, or they died they drowned in the river, and then their bodies would like just. They didn't really, a lot of times couldn't, didn't ever got the bodies and never removed them. And the lions were probably eating the bodies at night. So first they started kind of scavenging on the remains that were left behind. Yeah. And then that's it. Oh, they started like developing and then realized these people, these, you know, big monkeys in the tents were easy to eat. So let's do it. There's another one that kind of looked at it as well. They found a lot of dead humans at the Zava River crossing because there was a slave caravan. They used to go through yeah. past that river from east through part of the East African slave trade and routinely would cross the river further down a little bit further down, but not much. And because of that, there was often a lot of different dead humans that would be left behind from this slave trade caravans. As you mentioned, they kind of developed a taste for humans. And at the end of the day, they don't have to really go far. This human's not going to struggle that much against a 10-foot long lion. It's easy prey, especially once they got used to the fact that like, all right, this is doable. We could eat these people. And they start at night. Uh, and usually the way to work, these two lions, is one line would stay outside of the actual construction site. And the other line would go into these tents at night and kind of drag the people out and they would share. Eventually, yeah. lions got kind of cocky and they're like, no, we're both going well, in and everyone gets easy. thrown. But it, it wasn't like the people, like they weren't trying to like defend themselves. Like they built campfires, like, you know, a lot of fires going to scare them away. Doesn't do anything. Killings became daily. Like it was like, well, who's yeah. not going to make it through the night? And they tried to scare them off. They had um, thorn bushes. They even made like uh, almost basically like a fort with like trees and stuff like that. And the lions just jumped over it Jump or over, ripped yeah. down the fence. Like that's sure. I mean, if a lion wants to get in, you ever watch that show Survivor Man? You ever see those things? And yeah. I remember he was in like after his event, he made this like, just protect me from the lions. And he's like, actually, if a lion wants to get in here, it's getting in here. Like it's not, it's not going to stop a line. And these were big lines. We'll get to like their size a little bit later. Yeah. So yeah, they just constantly kept them coming in until the point where they, like you said, both would come in at the same time and pull out victims by themselves. So as long as they stopped taking one and sharing it, they both got their own. Yep. And then like basically people, the workers started leaving. They're like, forget yeah, this. We're not going to stay here and just get picked off every day. Oh, once the workers start leaving, basically it halts the railway construction and it gets to the, such a point that colonial officials back in England actually have to intervene. And they're like, all right, well, we're losing too many people. So work is ordered to stop. It halts and Patterson is tasked, right, by the colonial officials to basically kill these lines. Get these lines. Well, it's after one of the... Um British actually get attacked, right? Yeah, they send uh, a district official down to yeah, check Yeah, district it out. official, Whitehead, he goes and he actually gets attacked by one of the lions. His assistant actually does get killed. And um, Whitehead actually um, said he had like lacerations, claws for lacerations. Yeah. He actually got like attacked and injured by the lion. That's when they're like, oh, you got to kill these lions. Before that, they were like, oh, you know, that they're going to go away. You know, it's not really happening. But once, you know, once one of the Europeans gets attacked, 
and he barely survived. It's like, all right, now now do something. Yep. Now do something. That's really what he starts doing, right? They start reinforcing. Um, other officers arrive. They reinforce it with more like armed sentries, basically. Yeah, they send in for the Indian the Army. They actually yeah. send in, uh, they bring in 20 different members of the Indian Army to assist with trying to find the hunt. I mean, that's what it is. It's they pause construction. They're like, we're going to go hunting. And Patterson sets up numerous traps all over the area where he would see these lions, mostly at you know from a tree. He would set them up in trees. Unsuccessful attempts trying to shoot these lions. Yeah, he um, said he actually wounded one of them early on, right? Like yeah. he, he struck it in its hind leg, but it escaped. And then it actually returned later on that night and started stalking him. I remember the movie. You see this. It's like stalking him and he's trying to like outwit this lion. Well, he's trying to shoot it, but he couldn't figure it out. Yeah, he couldn't. He couldn't figure where it was. Yeah, the lions, these, yeah. they were also like, they were aware of people. Um, he actually was able to shoot it um, in the leg. Like I said, I think he shot it again to the shoulder. And that, well, this one hit. This one killed him. Yeah, this one hit. Yeah, the, but with a stronger uh, rifle, he shot it with a more powerful rifle. He's like, yeah. this one isn't. So he shot it to the shoulder, which I think probably hit the heart. And it was, um, and it was found laying dead the next morning, like right underneath his platform where Patterson was hiding out. So it was coming after him. Yeah, imagine that. They're like, you shoot the first one, and the thing escapes, and then you're still chilling in a tree because you're like, mm, don't trust it. Yeah, I'm, you, not, I'm not getting down. Yeah. Yeah. Then you hear the thing come back, and it's like prowling. It's yeah, going yeah. around, so, going around. L- l- let me get my bigger gun. <laughs> yeah. He's like, okay, let's try this again. And then he shoots it, and then you probably knew he killed it, but he's like, I'm not coming down there until it gets light out. And you know, when they find it, they said it took eight men to carry this. Yeah, this it was body nine feet long. Nine point eight inches. Long. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a huge lion, and then the second lion was killed twenty days later. Right? But this one is interesting because he kept yeah, this on shooting this tech. thing. Yeah, this one was shot nine times. They said on uh, different occasions, different he, times. He yeah, just couldn't. Yeah, they just couldn't kill it. They kept on missing it and stuff like that. Different times, and he fired from atop a scaffolding that he built near. He basically what they did was again they're setting traps. They killed a goat. Yep. and put the um, goat there, and then kind of lured it there. Again, it was stalking Patterson as it was as it was trying to even flee. It was still just like growling at him and looking back at him and stuff like that. They actually found it the next day and they shot it three more times as it was laying there and that didn't even kill it. It, it still was, it was still flee, crippled. Yep. Yeah. So it was crazy. And they, they finally shot it two more times in the chest and then finally one in the, one in the head. And that's they the one that it killed was, it. Yeah. That's when it finally killed it. And said it was, he claims it was still um, gnawing at him even afterwards trying to reach him until they yeah. shot it in the head. So yeah, again, yeah. they're going to make it more uh, intense, you know, a little more yeah. dramatization there. Obviously, the original story is that it ate 135 victims, and that number comes from Patterson himself. He gave the account in his book that it had killed 135 people, and these guys, these guys, these lines basically went after people directly, uh, which was odd in itself, and he finally took care of it. Now, the crazy thing is he had these two lions, he had them skinned, and did you see that initially they were his carpet? Yeah, he just he kept them all. It was like a big thing for him. Well, yeah, but like he never gave it to a museum. Like now they're in a museum because they had to reconstruct it. And they said the actual hides were in really bad shape because he used them as like just his carpet. And after finally, after using it as a floor rug for 25 years, he's like, all right. And he winds up selling it to um, Field Museum of Natural History in 1924 for a sum of $5,000, which is a lot of money back then. And they reconstructed them and now they're um, on permanent display. Kind of uh, in, in the film museum in Chicago, the skins are like they reconstruct and put them on like f- fake lion skeleton, yeah, yeah. and then the skulls are on display right next to them. Yep, they're big. And actually, the skulls become kind of important here because that serves as the basis of DNA testing uh, for these lions, which is kind of crazy when you think about what they could do. What they did with these two lions, modern research after two thousand, they went into like isotopic signature analysis 
of these skulls and the DNA, and they looked at the bone structure, some of the hair keratin they got from the actual X rugs. And about 2009, they broke this down to DNA samples and compared it to Zavo lions that ate other meals. You know, they didn't eat humans. And then they look at humans and what protein human body actually is made up of and how that would show itself within the DNA of the lion. And through scientific analysis, they basically were able to figure out, okay, this lion ate humans. This one did not eat humans. And then they were like, okay, this one had the levels of potentially eating this many humans. This many, yeah, they this... get, get like an idea of how many. It was like 25 humans or 14 humans. I saw some of that. Yeah, yeah that's what it was. So they were like initially were like, all right, this one ate probably 24.2 humans and the other one ate about 10.5 humans. But what it doesn't account for is that's only like full humans being eaten. And that's kind of where you get into this, like, okay, well, maybe it's not 135, but that doesn't mean that they ate 24. They could have eaten a part of a human. You know, that's why yeah. it counts like 24.2, but that really they killed. That's funny. They killed. Yeah. Even Patterson says a piece, I think another, some people say it could have been less. And he actually says it was even more. That number was actually higher, but some of these uh, workers were undocumented. Yep. And there, a lot of the African workers in particular were undocumented. So he's like, they don't even know how many that they actually killed. Uh, who knows? Unfortunately. Crazy. And then when you start looking at to like, all right, so what might have caused these guys to go crazy? We did talk about the one thing that they developed a taste for human flesh because of, you know, the East African slave trade were also from the fact that you had a lot of people falling and dying and other things um, while building this particular railroad bridge. But there are some other ideas, alternative arguments that kind of point to different directions. One deals with teeth, yeah. right? You, you saw this one probably, right? Well, this is always a story I remember watching. This was a long time ago when I was like a teenager. I remember actually watching a documentary on this when the um, HBO, you know, because the movie was coming out, Ghost in the Darkness, yep. so they also put like a little documentary with it. And they're basically talking about how the, one of the lions had a um, infection in the root of its canine tooth. And they believe that that made it harder to hunt because it made, made it very difficult then for it to like um, suffocate zebras or wildebeest. Yeah, but it, it hurt a lot it. Easy, yep. But it was a lot easier to still kill a human because we're a lot, you know, we're like jelly basically, especially compared to like a wildebeest. That's so gross. Um, we're like jelly. Well, we are. I mean, where humans are not, I know, we're I know, easy I know. to take out for a lion, like one swipe. That you know, that's that's it for the most Which part. Which really gets me when you watch people like play with lions. You watch the like TikTok things, and they're like, "Oh, what a cute lion!" Like, no, no, that thing is gonna. Yeah, eat until you. it decides that like it, it that doesn't like you anymore. Yeah, yeah, or it just wants to play a little rougher, and then you know you're done. So it has that sort of thing. And there was so th- that was really was was pushed for a long time, and I guess even in 2017 they were still doing studies of this that prove that because that was what you heard early on. But then Patterson was saying, no, the reason that tooth was broken was because I shot the tooth when I was shooting at the lion. Yeah. But uh, they actually were able to do, like you said, the DNA testing, I guess, like the scanning of, of, of the teeth and everything like that, the draw line. And they could, you know, there definitely was a uh, infection in the root of his canine tooth, which made it was, it would make that lion hard for him. And why was the other lion? But yep. then if you look up like nameless lions, they tend to be sometimes like weaker than some of the other lions. So it was kind of, or like, um, pushed out of like the packs and stuff like that yeah. so it'd be hard for them to hunt to hunt anyway because they yeah. wouldn't have like large number like they wouldn't have the herd to support them but you don't have the lionesses either usually the lionesses are the ones that hunt with the pack See? of lions and that See? the male lion is the one that just kills the other male lions and scares off the hyenas and stuff see so, if it wasn't they, for the woman as i say behind every great man is a greater woman so even behind every lion the, right, the right, lionesses right. 
The Battle of Waterloo was one of the most famous turning points in world history. But what happened next? My name's David Montgomery, and I'm the host of The Siecla, a history podcast that tackles exactly that. Join me as I cover France's overlooked century in between Napoleon and World War I. The Siecle, spelled S-I-E-C-L-E, is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and can be found wherever you get podcasts. Um, right. So yeah, that's really what they were thinking about, some of the reasons why they did this. And, and I think the main reason, though, a lot of people just say is once they killed a couple, they just realized how easy it was. Yeah, It wasn't hard. There was a whole bunch of people in a small area. That's like, oh, let me grab a guy tonight. That's what I'm going to just chow down on. <laughs> he said, uh, like I said, they, they weren't even eating the whole bodies because they were like, why? Yeah, um, it was, it was they, like, it's like I have to hunt again tomorrow. I'll just stop by the camp and pick yeah, up they what can, I want. Yeah, they can just get like fresh food. Yeah, it's crazy. The, uh, the one last one that kind of came up recently that people started looking at, there was an outbreak of cattle plague that was yes. happening in Africa, 1890s. It was kind of infectious viral disease, basically to cattle, domestic buffalo usually. But what happened here is just started taking antelope, giraffes, wild wildebeests, uh, war hogs. And these are usually things that these lions would, there's a usual prey that these lions would try to eat. And this is what forced them to look for alternate food sources. And it just so happened human beings might have been there. Yeah, they sure just happened to be there. And that was, again, a very easy food source. As we know, because we mentioned at the beginning, these two Zavo lions, man eaters, are the most popular ones in pop culture. However, they are not by any means the only man eaters. Um, there are others. And actually, uh, historic man eaters in Asia, um, there's a lot of leopards involved here, some tigers. And then in Africa, the Zavo eaters were not even the only ones. And as you mentioned before, Tom, there's also some other animals that might have um, eaten human beings. But I think some of them more known, or rather should be known, but for some reason are overshadowed by the Zavo man-eaters. Panar leopard. I think the reason why it's not as known is because this one was, uh, this particular leopard hunted in a secluded area of India and didn't really get as much attention from journalists, specifically British journalists, because it was for such a secluded area. But the Panar leopard was extremely deadly and also feared in India's um, Kumaon district. As a poacher shot him, Panar leopard turned to basically man-eating and killed over 400 people before it was killed in 1910. So it started by someone trying to shoot this leopard, and then he kind of got like PO'd, and he's like, oh, yeah? So he started going after people, yeah. Yeah, 400 people killed, which is kind of nuts. Which is another, um, the t- tigress, right? The Chapawat tigress yep. was in the early 1900s. Also supposedly killed more than 400 people. And that, apparently that's still happening like today in parts of like India. It's like tigers will still kill people. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just saw that too. So, which we'll talk about too. Like actually, in, um, so I forgot to mention it before, but um, like a fact about Savo is that people are still eaten in Savo today in that same area. And that's right. There's recently, as like 2020, there was a report of a woman that was that was killed, a cattle herder. So it still happens there, maybe not not as frequently, but like the lions are still seeing people there and still you know going after them as food. Uh, some to. of the like latest statistics say that in the past four hundred uh, years, tigers have killed almost a million people, which is about an average of two thousand five hundred people a year. In nineteen eighties, about sixty woodcutters a year were falling prey to tigers in the uh, Ganges Delta. And this is kind of interesting because this is the 80s, right? So 60 woodcutters each year killed by tigers. And what they try to figure out like methods on how they could prevent tiger attacks. And they figured out like there was like electrified scarecrows. They had 
scented like humans. So like they would try to go after these scarecrows and get electrocuted. That didn't work. And they wound up finding that the most simple way, this is 80s, 90s, that would deter tigers from attacking um, humans was actually a mask. For some reason, tigers are petrified of masks. Yeah, they won't attack you if you're if they think you're looking at them. Exactly. Yeah. So that, they, yeah, I know that. Yeah. Go ahead, P. I'm sorry. To no, sorry. No, no. Yeah, no, that's perfect. So they, they, they basically – yeah. Handed, like handed out these like rubber masks to woodcutters and they would actually wear these masks on the back of their heads. So the tiger would, anytime a tiger was thinking of getting them, it would like try to get near them and it would think that it's watching them. So they would like stop the attack. Um, and it's like a tiger force field, which is, which is nuts because once they instituted this in 1990, any woodcutter that was wearing a mask was not attacked. And basically just in the 18 months to mask wearing 29 people, uh, were killed by attacks. It's like this thing actually worked. Let's, if you yeah, want to go out, if you're a woodcutter, if you're a biologist, if you're going anywhere where there might be a, an attack, wear a mask on the back of your head and that will discourage it. Luckily, there's no tigers in Jersey. I well, guess there I, are, but not like wild tigers, right? Well, I Hope guess not. that's true. Do you know that there was a, a, a 2003 article BBC reported where a village in India actually beat a Bengal tiger to death? Um, really? Claiming that, <laughs> yeah, no, like they, they found it. Like, they baited it and then they killed it and like beat it to death because they said it had no choice because it kept on entering their village and harassing them and their livestock. This is in 2003. Imagine that's just part of your life is that you have to worry about tigers coming into your village or your area and uh, pick you off when you're sleeping. Like that's, that's, that's life. That's just like another like I just, day. Like, I just don't know how like you beat, a, you beat one. I mean, that's. Well, there's enough of them, I guess. Um, but all right, so let's let's talk about a couple other ones uh, before we get going. Well, one a little bit different, sort of. Um, we'll get away from the mammals for a second, and uh, this is actually another documentary. Gustav the crocodile. He's a Nile crocodile that was um, basically on the Ruzi River, first spot in the 1980s, and I believe he killed more than 300 people. There actually was a PBS documentary on him in the mid 2000s, and they've actually tried to capture him many times. He's just always he's just too big. They think he's over 18 feet long. And um, he was last sighted in 2015, but there's been, so that's the last confirmed sighting, but there's been sightings of him since then. The other people say, no, we saw him, but they just couldn't, they couldn't prove it. They tried like tagging him and stuff like that. He's just too big. But yeah, they say that he's basically has killed over 300 people. Imagine a crocodile bite you in half. No, no, I don't. Uh, that's why, that's part of the things like I would get freaked out when I go to Florida because they're just kind of chilling everywhere. Did you say there was a bearded dragon or something? Well, Komodo dragons will um, attack people. I mean, they'll actually will eat people. But mostly what they'll do is because on the islands, they have to bury people. On the Komodo Islands, they have to bury them in like concrete coffins because otherwise Komodo dragons will dig them up and eat them because they eat everything. And um, so because of that, they will attack people. They will hunt people on that island particularly. And they're, they're aggressive too. They'll go after you. And there was one recently that was at a, you know, they're in a zoo and the zookeeper went in and just bit the guy right in the foot, bit right through his shoe. Bit his, oh, his, a couple of his foes off. So they'll go after you. They have no problem. A couple bites, they'll take you down. I, did, I saw the uh, sloth bear of Mysore, which was in 1957. It was this bear. They believe he killed about a dozen people, injured twice that much in uh, India. Only a small number were actually eaten and he was eventually killed. Well, a sloth bear was killed, right, by someone by a British hunter named Kenneth Anderson. Although they don't really think nowadays that that was the actual bear anymore, and they think it was probably a couple bears that were doing um, the murder. Not to get confused with a cocaine bear, which I know has probably been in the movies a little bit now. Did you see that? You, yeah, yeah sure. my son uh, kind of low key snuck into the movies to see it because it's rated R, and I'm like, why are you tell me sneaking into a rated R movie? Uh, it goes, I don't know, Dad. That's good. I guess we raised them well, you know? It's a it's a bear that ate cocaine based on a true story. Oh, it's nuts. 
But I don't think it actually killed anybody. That's kind of like charmization, Hollywood. The cocaine yeah. killed the bear, so. There is a couple things that, a couple other ones that I kind of want to mention before we, we finish this podcast. One is you guys should really tune into like the OG of our podcast. I think it's the second episode, the New Jersey shark attacks. Right. I mean, they're man eaters, right? The basis for draws. Yeah, that's right. And another one is, and I, you might have to help me because I know this was made to a movie as well. This one is from like 1764 to 1787. It was in the French province of Givaudan. It's known as the beast of Givaudan. I think it's G-E- V-A-U-D-E-N. It was apparently a wolf or something that was larger than a wolf, like a reddish brown, whatever, big wolf. And it ignored cattle and any other domesticated animals, but when it attacked people and 210 people were attacked until he was finally killed in 1787. But they say it might have probably been a pack of wolves, but that would attack. A lot of times that's what it is. I remember hearing that one too. And a lot of people at the time thought they were werewolves even, right? Like it was like the Yeah, the that was, that's, that's kind of what the movies, the movie's premise yeah, kind of like makes kind of based, based on like the werewolf. But yeah, they think it could have been like a pack of wolves, which they know that does happen. Pack of wolves, coyote, they will attack people if they, um, you know, in, in the right spot at the wrong time. I think that pretty much covers it, right? Yeah, it's awful maniers. Like it's just one of those interesting stories. It's, it's, it's a tragedy. I, go, I hope we're not trying to like, you know, Oh, this is sound cool. Like this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sound like this is like, oh, wow, many, 135 people were killed all these many years. It's probably one of the worst ways to possibly be killed is being preyed upon, like actually being eaten. Next time you go camping and there's like a wild bear in the woods, uh, I mean, you know, these lions pulled them right out of their tents. Just saying. Well, there's been cases of that unfortunately happening too. I'm sure of people getting pulled out. I remember recently reading a story about in uh, towns up like in Siberia, like a polar bears came in and they had to like fight them off and stuff like that. Like if, if it's if food becomes scarce, humans are going on the menu. That's just how it's going to be. See, I always think of like polar bears from like the Coca Cola commercial. So it's like the sweet yeah. bears. They're just no, friendly. Not quite. Just Google polar bear eating a seal. See what images you see there. Oh man, you just killed it for me. No pun intended. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in to our podcast. We appreciate it, as always. Uh, you could find us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. Please don't be afraid to leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast, and make sure you click the like or subscribe button out there. It really does help us out. Have an amazing week, guys, and we'll see you next week. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.